Hi there, good morning. It's Alexander Fenter here and I just want to say thank you very much to Alan Blackman and the team at Sarepta. Greetings to you Sarepta Church and in fact to anyone else, everyone else who's watching wherever you are watching from. It's an honor for me to be with you this morning. So this is the third Sunday morning after the resurrection of Jesus. And I have chosen to share with you this morning some thoughts and reflections from the story of Jesus appearing to the two on the road to Emmaus. That is, of course, Cleopas and his wife, that on that Sunday morning that Jesus rose, unbeknown to them, when they were walking home from Jerusalem to Emmaus, Jesus appeared to them, but he came as a stranger And walked with him. So, what I want to do is to read the story um, and then I will share some reflections on the story and hopefully make it personal because the story is really warm and personal and that uh, it can speak to us and the Holy Spirit can use it to touch us. So, just let me pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be with everyone here this morning. Thank you for the privilege and the, and the honor of sharing your word. Oh God, I pray your blessing on everyone. Blessing upon this word as I speak now. And Holy Spirit, give us revelation and insight. And Jesus, touch us and heal us in our own brokenness and wounds, in our own questions and confusion. I invite you, Spirit of God, Son of God, Heavenly Father, to be specially present in this talk and as we hear this talk wherever we are in the name of Jesus. Thank you Lord. So I've chosen this story because in church tradition um, over all the history of the church in fact the time between Passover and Easter Sunday Jesus's resurrection and his Ascension into heaven 40 days later, um, the stories of the appearances of Jesus after his resurrection have been preached and taught um, in the history of the church, in church tradition. And then, of course, there's the 10-day period before Pentecost that is coming up um, in the month of May. So that's why I'm choosing just to share a story, a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus story with you. So let me read with you. And if you want to read in your Bibles, you're welcome. But it's Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now that same day, which was the Sunday morning, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's 11 kilometers. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened um, on the Friday and the Saturday. And they talked and discussed these things. As they talked and they discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? One Stood, uh, they stood still when they heard the question, and their faces were downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked them, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do not know the things that have happened there these past days? 
What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and they, t- and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels, and the angel said, he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer and die and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village of Emmaus to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged them strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. Then suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they immediately got up and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two of them, Cleopas and his wife, told the community what had happened on the way and what and how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke the bread and their overwhelming joy all the way back to Jerusalem. So that's the story. And there are clearly three key elements to the story. There is the journey out of Jerusalem to Emmaus. And then there is the pivot turning point where Jesus reveals himself and then they immediately get up and then there's the journey back in to Jerusalem. The journey out, the pivot and the journey in. So what is fascinating and I um, had decided to speak on this text for this Sunday morning and then uh, earlier this week on, on Monday I looked at Pope Francis's homily that he did last Sunday and he actually spoke on this text and he helpfully in his little homily compared the journey out 
and the journey in. So what I've done is I've done some notes on my computer, which is available for all those who want to receive it. Um, but I've done a comparison and I've added in some of my own elements. So just think of it, the journey out, the pivot point and the, and the journey in. So comparing the two journeys, the journey out was away from Jerusalem and the journey in was back to Jerusalem. The journey out was actually largely downhill from Jerusalem to Emmaus and um, it was done in the daylight on, on the Sunday. The journey back in was mostly at night and it was uphill back into Jerusalem. And imagine that after 11 kilometer walk out from Jerusalem to Emmaus, then at night as the sun is falling, 11 kilometer walk back in, uphill, but full of joy because the journey out was a journey of sadness that walked away from pain. The journey back in was a journey of gladness because of the joy of seeing Jesus and knowing he's alive. They, the journey out, they don't walk alone. Jesus is beside them, but he is kept uh, f- from them recognizing him or seeing him. So they think he's a stranger. The journey back in, they actually now walk alone and they don't see Jesus, but he is closer to them than ever before because they have seen him and recognized him. The um, the journey out, they tell of the awful things. Their whole narrative and conversation is of disappointment and of shattered dreams. Whereas the journey back in was full of joy and amazement about the risen Lord and eternal life. The journey out, the stranger interprets their narrative, their the conversation of pain in the light of Messiah's suffering and death, whereas the journey in, they realized that their hearts had been burning within them on the journey out as the Messiah explained the scriptures. And they went through the scriptures, thinking through step by step, every text that Jesus shared with him, with great discovery of the meaning of his crucifixion and his death, and of course now his resurrection. And then lastly, the comparison is that their destination on the journey out and downhill is the safety in the lockdown of their home in Emmaus after all that had happened. But the journey up and into Jerusalem, the destiny there is, of course, the family of faith, their fellow followers of Jesus. And it's symbolic of the new Jerusalem, the community of resurrection awaiting them in Jerusalem, with which they celebrate that the Lord is risen. So just to share then some stories of the journey out and down. And there are three movements in that journey and then the journey up and into Jerusalem. So when we talk about the journey out and down, it is interesting. There are three movements. The first movement is that they receive Jesus into their walk, into their life journey. Secondly, He goes further, they receive him into their conversation and pain. And then thirdly, into their home. So let me just pause and say, Jesus comes to us in many different ways. He comes to us often through the stranger. Um, The stranger that comes to us, unbeknown to us, at least initially, it is God in human flesh. The book of Hebrews says, uh, don't um, reject 
strangers easily because by entertaining them and so doing, you actually may be entertaining angels, messengers from God. So Jesus comes to us, but Jesus also obviously comes to us not only through strangers, but through friends and family and pastors, therapists. Jesus comes to us even in dreams as he is to many Muslims appearing to them where they are turning to faith in Jesus. But as Mother Teresa is famous for saying, Jesus comes to us in the distressing disguise of the poor. And he makes overtures to join us in our journey of life, wherever we are walking, wherever we are heading, whatever our destination is, God is not far from us. He comes to us to walk with us, to enter our lives, to see if we will receive him in. And Cleopas and um, his wife had been through tremendous trauma in Jerusalem and that last week when they were with Jesus in Jerusalem after all the questions and the conflict of that last week ending up in the betrayal by Judas with him being crucified on the Friday, they could have said, we don't want to talk. We don't want anyone here. Just keep on walking. Keep your distance. But they received him into their journey. So my friends, the first step in your life journey is to see Jesus' overtures that he makes to you and invite him into your life's journey and let him walk with you and let him not only walk with you in your life's journey, but actually let him enter your conversation. No matter what what you have been through, Jesus is not far from you and he is walking with you even though you don't realize it. Take the further step of inviting him into your narrative, into your pain, into your conversation of whatever it is, fear and anxiety, uncertainty, confusion. So here, uh, Cleopas and his wife, they are dominated by what happened to them. And many people are dominated by what's happening in the world today, by the coronavirus, by the loss of money, by the uncertainty of the future, when lockdown will be lifted, all the stuff that's going on. I know there's a lot of grief and pain. You think of Cleopas and his wife, who really respected this rabbi, Yeshua Hanotzri, Jesus the Nazarene, and actually hoped in their hearts that he was the Messiah. He was a prophet who did great Miracles was mighty in word and deed. And they put their hopes on him that he would redeem Israel. And there he suffered like a a, a criminal, a revolutionary criminal, betrayed by one of their very own. So they were full of grief, full of sadness, full of disappointment. Their hopes had been dashed. Their conversation was dominated by a narrative of despair. Where are you at? What is your conversation? What is it, What dominates your thinking and your words at this time? What are you overwhelmed with negativity and criticism and anxiety? Just to say, Jesus is willing to come into that conversation and to slowly but surely reinterpret it in light of his suffering and his pain on your behalf. Jesus, when 
he enters their journey, asks them the question, what are you talking about? And his questions have a way of stopping us dead in our tracks. They were walking away from their pain back in Jerusalem to the safety of their home in Emmaus. But Jesus says, what are you talking about? What, uh, what dominates your mind? What are you thinking? What are you going through? Tell me. And it says they stood still. They stopped walking past their pain. They stopped trying to suppress their pain. And the whole story came out. Jesus has a way of asking questions. He says, he goes further. He says, what happened when they say initially, are you a stranger? Where have you been? Don't you know what's happened these past days in Jerusalem? He says, then he goes further. He says, well, tell me what happened. Jesus wants you to relive what you've been through. To share your feelings, get your emotions out here, that he can heal them. Own your feelings, own your anger, own your disappointment, acknowledge it before God in his presence. The book of Psalms are all prayers of Israel to God through David, her king, where David pours out raw emotions to God is angry with God, questions God. How long, oh God, how long are we going to go through this? When are you going to break through? When are you going to come and save us, oh God? And uh, David did not pray pedantic proper prayers. He prayed, he spoke with raw, uh, uncensored emotions to God. That's what Jesus wants. Get the pain out. Own your feelings. Own your perceptions. They shared their beliefs, their hopes, their perceptions that were now dashed and disappointed. But also their confusion. They said one of the women, some of the women went to the tomb and they found it empty. <laughs> they didn't find him. But then later he appeared to them and they say he's alive. Then some of our brothers went there. They found the tomb empty, but they didn't see him. We don't know what to believe. Is it a conspiracy theory? Is it fake news? Is 5G responsible for coronavirus? And all of these, all of these, these, this misinformation and half-truths that are going around causing real fear and anxiety among people. Jesus says, tell us the story. Get it all out here so that we can interpret it. And the fascinating thing is, he explains all of this that's happened, all of what you have been through. Actually, I have been through on your behalf. I've taken it upon myself. To suffer in your place. And he unfolded, opened the scriptures to them. Right from Torah, first five books of Moses. Through the Psalms. Into all the prophets. Explaining that God's hidden and secret plan. Hidden from the eyes of Israel. Was that the coming one, the king. God's Mashiach. God's king. Would be a different kind of king. He would not come, at least the first time, as a military conqueror physically setting up a government in Jerusalem and driving the Romans out of uh, Judea and then of Israel. But Jesus would come as God's king riding on a donkey in peace, offering peace to Israel as a humble king, suffering, taking on Israel's pain, Israel's disillusionment, hopelessness, Israel's cause of its disillusionment, hopelessness, which is Israel's sin. And rebellion against God. So when Jesus arrived that last week, 
on the Mount of Olives and overlooked Jerusalem, he wept over Jerusalem. He said, oh, how long to gather you as a hen would gather her chicks. And he says, but you did not know what will bring you peace. What I'm coming to offer you is peace. And says, but it's kept hidden from your eyes because you have rejected me and you will reject me. So just to say, don't reject Jesus. Let him interpret. God is not the cause of your pain. God is not the cause of this corona pandemic. God is not the cause of you losing your job. God is not the cause of your depression. God, in fact, looks at it and he weeps with you, weeps over you, longing to gather you. Like a, a mother hen gathers her chicks and to bring healing and interpret what you've been through in light of his suffering and pain. As the German theologian Jürgen Moltmann wrote that classic book, The Crucified God, explaining the theology of the cross, the meaning of the cross, is that God in Jesus suffered what all human beings suffer. Our sin, our sickness, our demons our death, on our behalf, that we may be forgiven, that we may be healed, that we may be freed from what torments us, our demons, and that we may have life where he took upon himself our death and died our death in our place, that we may have life. So Jesus interprets and explains what they, what they went through in light of his suffering and death. And just to say, your story, your conversation in life, your, your, your narrative only has meaning and purpose when it's reinterpreted in light of God's greater story, of God's greater narrative, where he gives meaning and purpose to our stories. In the light of his son, Jesus, his life, his ministry, his suffering, his death, and of course, his resurrection. So interpret your life, all that you've been through, in light of what God has done for you in Jesus, although you never knew it. Unbeknown to you, he, it's all strange, but it's true. As Jesus was being crucified on the cross, the first thing he said while they were drive, driving the nails through his wrists, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They, it's hidden from their eyes, unbeknown to them. They killing me will save them. That is the in, unbelievable, mysterious, <laughs> strange plan of God is of a suffering king. That was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 53. So that's, they receive Jesus into their pain, into their conversation, into their narrative and disclosed it all and, and opened up and shared it all with him. And then as the sun was beginning to set, they came near to Emmaus. And uh, strange thing, Jesus made as if he was going to just walk further on his own. But they urged them strongly, it says, come and stay with us. Besides the, the kind of ethic, the social ethic in that day of hospitality, where you, if a stranger comes into your village, you take them into your home and give them a bed to sleep on and feed them for the night. Besides that ethic, just to say, obviously something had happened in them and they didn't want Jesus just to go further. They wanted him to come and stay in their home. That third step, that third movement 
not only receiving him into their life journey, not only receiving um, him into their conversation and pain, but taking them into their most intimate and sacred place, their safe place, their home. And Jesus said, yes, I think probably uh, Jesus longed for them to invite him home. And uh, he tested them, perhaps, with his apparent attitude that he wanted to walk further. But he went home. They received him into, into their ho- The home is the symbol of the heart. The home is the symbol of your sacred space, the core of your being. So we don't only invite Jesus into our pain, but we invite Jesus into our home, our heart, our very being, that he can experience and see everything inside of us and what is remarkable is here is the turning point when that happens what i call the pivot the pivot is the thing that makes everything turn around and when, as the sun begins to set they quickly rustle up a meal they put it on the table and then they say jesus come and sit and eat and suddenly it all turns around jesus strangely takes the initiative and he takes the bread in his hands. He reaches across the table, takes the bread in his hands, and he says the Hebrew blessing, and he breaks the bread. What that simply means is this. Jesus makes it his home, his table. Now he's the host. They're no longer hosting him, but he becomes the host because he takes the bread and says the blessing over the bread, gives God thanks for it and breaks it and initiates the meal. And I'm sure... However they recognize them, and I'll explain now, but I just want to say to you, Jesus' regular practice in his three and a half years of ministry, when he called disciples to follow him, and wherever he went throughout Israel, in the villages and the places, was to have meals with people. He ate with people regularly. In fact, he was known to be a friend of sinners, publicans, drunkards, prostitutes, who feasted and ate with people. So they suddenly, that was the first inkling. (laughs) Here is the stranger. He takes the initiative, reaches out and takes the bread. And he is the one who becomes, uh, it's the table of the Lord. And they're having the Lord's supper. They're having the Lord's meal. And suddenly they realize this is different. We know him. And probably also in reaching out to take the bread, the sleeves Uh, probably lifted up and they saw the wounds of the cross because every story in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, all of them say that Jesus identified himself. The most common way Jesus identified himself after the resurrection when he appeared to his disciples was by the mocks of the cross. And some commentators of the Gospel of Luke say we can speculate perhaps they saw the marks of the cross, and their eyes were opened, and they realized, it's Jesus, it's Yeshua, Yeshua Hanotsri, Jesus the Nazarene. As Mary said in John, Rabboni, my teacher, my Lord. But suddenly, as they recognized him, he disappeared from their sight. Before I go further, I just want to emphasize this point, dear friends. For me, it's a most amazing concept that in all the resurrection stories, Jesus identified himself by the mocks of the cross. 
in his resurrection and now glorified body at the right hand of the Father, Jesus will carry throughout all the eternal ages to come the marks in his hands, in his side, and in his feet as an eternal witness to the unfailing, faithful love of God in human history to redeem humanity by taking upon himself all of our pain, all of our sin, all of our hatred, all of our trauma, all of the things that happened to us, our sickness, our demons, our death, in order to heal us, to open our eyes, so that we see and know God for who God really is, that we don't see him as a stranger, that he actually is our saviour, he actually is our Lord. He actually is the lover of our souls. He is our Redeemer who changes our, who changes our lives forever because He's alive. We are then, therefore, alive with resurrection life. So they were obviously completely overwhelmed with joy. And the fact that He disappeared instantly before their eyes was, was not a big deal. Probably, uh, if they were Australian, they would say, no worries, mate, uh, whatever you would say. Because they were so full of joy, they probably embraced each other, got up, and they immediately left and made the journey back. So it's the journey up and into Jerusalem, another 11 kilometers walk. That's the, that's the second journey, but it's now a different journey. It's up and in to the new Jerusalem, back to their family of followers of Jesus, which is the community of resurrection, a transformed and renewed community because Jesus is risen from the dead. And you can imagine how different their conversation was. You can imagine as they, as they walked that 11 kilometers in the dark, animated, probably they ran with joy and excitement just to tell the, the other um, friends and family, the Lord is risen. And when they said that, they said, yes, he is risen indeed. We know it. He's appeared to us as well. And I would say that uh, in my mind, when I think of it step by step, as they walked the 11 kilometers, they relived and retold Jesus's remarkable Bible study, where he went through the scriptures from Torah, through Psalms, through all the prophets, and they recounted step by step and suddenly step by step, text by text, everything made sense. They explained all their mystery, all their uncertainty evaporated, conviction set in, revelation by the Holy Spirit. Ooh, it would have been fantastic to be part of that Bible study where Jesus was the teacher and unfolding, breaking the scriptures to them. And so their, their sense of meaning their sense of purpose, their sense of conviction, their sense of destiny, heal their pain, transform their emotions, renew their minds with whole new purpose by the time they got back to Jerusalem and they reconnected where everything that they then believed was confirmed. The Lord is risen. So, dear friends, I want to just ask you the question, which road are you on? Are you on the journey out and down, away from your pain, 
trying to suppress it, trying to get back to a place where you think it'll be normal and okay and you can just forget and live your own life? Or are you on the other journey, the journey up and the journey in to the new Jerusalem, to the community of resurrection? Have you had your turning point? Have you, has your life pivoted by meeting the risen King, Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus is closer to you than you realize. No matter where you are or what's happened to you or what journey you're on in life, Jesus is beside you as the stranger. And he wants to reinterpret your life in the light of his pain and suffering and then break bread with you, which is a symbol of sharing his life with you, giving himself to you, opening your eyes that you see him for who he is, that your life may pivot and turn and change forever. Why not invite Jesus into your heart and into your home? Why not receive him into your most sacred place? Give him your life. Let him share his life with you. Let him change you and transform you forever. So in my notes, I just have a little conclusion, which I want to read to you. It's a little poem. This is the conclusion of what I've shared. Two journeys. Which one are you walking? Two, two stories. Which one are you living? Two narratives. Which one are you telling? One pivot point. Have you met the risen Jesus? Lord, stay with me. Lord, stay with us. Jesus says, yes, here is my body. Here is my blood. But go and tell everyone else I'm alive. I am the risen King. Can I pray for you? Just receive this as the Lord's presence in your lounge, wherever you are watching this. God is there. Jesus, appear. Reveal yourself right now to everyone who's watching this talk. By your Holy Spirit, open their eyes that they may see you, Jesus, for who you really are. That they may see the wounds in your hands, in your sight, that you suffered what they suffer so that they can turn to you and receive healing. Jesus, heal the pain. Heal the uncertainty. Heal the disillusionment. Jesus, forgive the sin. Jesus, free people from their demons, their torment, their fear, their anxiety. Jesus, renew their minds from their confusion. Renew their minds, Lord, from all the, the misinformation, all the mixed up stuff. God, give them eternal life. I pray for each one listening. I bless you. In the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God come upon you and transform you. Experience the life of Christ's resurrection. Receive it right now by faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Have a good day. God is with you.